Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. I hope you're all having a dandy, fantastic day today because we're going to be talking about, we're going to make it even better by talking about the do not draft rookies for the 2020 fantasy football season. And this is always, as always, based on average draft position. Let me make myself clear right now. Do not get into the comments. Do not get into my mentions and be like, oh, you would never take the Andre Swift. No, this is based on average draft position. It's all about overvalued and undervalued players. I'm not in the business of reaching on people who don't need to be reached on in their first year as a rookie. And let me tell you what, rookie fever in the summer is unimaginable. It's it's, it's like a it's like a dream for so many people. It's unreal. It's it's not even fathomable how high people are on rookies, especially in a year where there's a pandemic. I get it. Last year's wide receiver class was fantastic. The running back classes as of late at the top ends have been pretty good and pretty nice. We got the Devin Singletary year, the Josh Jacobs year last season. I get it. Everybody likes the new things, the new toys coming into the league. I am guilty of it myself. But with the draft being so overhyped this year, because it was the only thing on TV, and with no other news out outside of uh, criminal stuff happening for NFL players in the news, it seems like every single day at this point, uh, and then Gronk coming out of retirement, there's been pretty much no news. So everybody is just writing articles, salivating media, everything about these rookies and what their roles are going to be. And honestly, some of them deserve it, but most of them are getting overhyped like they usually do. And just remember, most rookies don't succeed in their first year. And if they do, it's usually like Miles Sanders in the final eight games or the final half or final quarter of the season. And if you're only really going to be that lead dog for maybe four to eight weeks in your offense, you're not going going to hit these mid-20s and ADPs all that often, especially when there's six or eight of these rookies and everybody thinks they're now going to be top 30 or top 35 running backs. It's just not going to happen, at least in year one. So I do want to make myself clear by saying that before we get into it, because I already know based on some of the other do not draft videos that people say, how would you never draft this guy? It does not mean I do not like them. I'm telling you, based on where they're currently going, you were spending a draft capital pick way too high at that point, maybe even two rounds too high at that point. Maybe if it changes as the summer goes on, we're obviously going to do our risers and fallers and ADP videos one or two series of those as the summer goes on, but this is just based on ADP average draft position. You're going to see a lot of free things down below in the description. Get into the Discord. We're talking NFL. We're talking fantasy sports, fantasy football in there. There's going to be free rookie rankings as well as a way to sign up for the draft guide if you want to be on the email list for things that come out the newsletter about that. So all that is down below. And while you're here, big old subscribe button just popped up. Please do smash that subscribe button and hit the notification bell. Like button if you indeed wish as well. If you could do that for me, fellas, I really do appreciate it. It helps me reach more people. It's likely how I reached you. This channel is growing in the off season. It's only going to spike if we can continue to get this community support. So thank you so much. Smash that subscribe button and ring that good old bell. So buckle up, take your shoes off, relax, get yourself a beverage. This next 20 to 30 minute window is for yourself. Escape from your reality, whatever you have to do, enjoy yourself, do what you got to do. If you want to multitask, that's fine, but take the knowledge, absorb it into your brain, take your notebook out, write it down, whatever you have to do. This time right now is for you. Let's get it. We're going to start it off with the former UGA Georgia running back, DeAndre Swift, who was taken by the Detroit Lions in the second round pick three. Many people's big board number one running back ends up going off the board as the second running back behind the first round pick. Of course, Clyde Edwards Lair to the Chiefs. Now, DeAndre Swift is 21 years old. He's over 210 pounds. He stands at 5'8". Here in a 4'4'8 fine time, he's compared to Pierre Thomas, former Saint, and Miles Sanders, the current second year Philadelphia Eagles running back. In 2019 at Georgia, he played in 14 games. He had 197 carries for over 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. He's likely the best combination of both a receiving back and a running back in this backfield out of all of these overall rookies that were drafted this year. He caught 24 passes on a 7% target share for 216 yards. He ended up seeing a red zone role that was very elite. 
35 attempts, 11 touchdowns in those 35 attempts against top 25 teams as well. Some stronger competition, although he's seeing a lot of that in playing for Georgia. He still had over five yards per carry just slightly. And in his career at Georgia, 6.6 yards per carry, a 10.1% target share, only three drops on 900 career targets. So this is great. He was picked in the second round. The draft capital is there. He's coming right into this role. Is it a good thing? Let's see what they did in the offseason, not just adding DeAndre Swift, but the rest of this Lions team. Their offensive line took a hit when they end up losing Graham Glasgow, who was a big improvement piece, a top 10 player at his position at the guard position last year. Uh, They ended up signing Tackle Vate, which was a big deal for them on the offensive line. They signed a bunch of veterans on the defense, which was a lot of bad deals, in my opinion. And then on offense, not much, just signing just depth piece wide receivers and Dron Moalison, who likely pushes Danny Amendola for some slot work. And then Jeremy Davis, a former bear. So, So not much on offense done in free agency. They really didn't lose any big names outside of Graham Glasgow. They lost a tight end who's been there for a few years in Logan Thomas, athletic blocking tight end. They lost JD McKissick, which they don't really care too much about since they have a lot of running backs. But then in the NFL draft is where they really got a good amount of other pieces outside of DeAndre Swift. They got a couple of guards in the third and fourth round. They got another running back, Jason Huntley, who's a pass catcher and makes it like five running backs on this depth chart right now. And apparently they want to use them all, which we'll get into, but not much done in the offseason on the offensive side of the ball besides a couple of offensive line pieces and DeAndre Swift. It was a lot of defensive work and losing big defensive players and then signing worse replacements for more money. The Detroit Lions are just a group of donkeys run by a bunch of donkeys. If you already know, you know that I think Matt Patricia is an absolute donkey, but the backfield competition here, there's a lot. And this is the reason that he's a do not draft. Look, and, and I should preface this all by saying that DeAndre Swift is currently going as RB21 at the pick 411. He's going at the end of the fourth round, beginning of the fifth round right now in 12 team formats. This was updated as of a week ago. So maybe some news has changed. But as of right now, he's still going as a top five pick for many people and, and a top four pick in terms of rounds. And that's just not going to happen for me. He's going off the board as RB21. Even if these week old rankings now or the ADP from a week ago at this point, I think it's like six or seven days is off. And now he's going at like RB26 and he dropped for some reason. He's still my RB34. And this is the big reason why the backfield competition still have carry on Johnson out there. Everybody knows that, but they have both Scarborough. They have Ty Johnson still, and they have Jason Huntley who they drafted in the fifth round. So I don't think they're just going to cut their fifth round draft pick. They're definitely not going to cut carry on Johnson. And they're just saying great things about both Scarborough nonstop. I mean, I'll put right up on the board right now. I'm going to put a tweet up right now from Jared Smola. You can follow him. And he kind of quoted a tweet from the athletic and it just says DeAndre Swift and carry on Johnson. Both should be on the field a lot. Although Swift's ability in the pass catching game might tip the scales in his direction. He was a great pass catching running back in college. Don't sleep on both Scarborough either though. This coaching staff really wants all three reliable backs. They want to use all three of these guys. And then they came out and said shortly after this in a report reported by Roto World that they would be fine using four backs. So that likely means I assume Jason Huntley and then Ty Johnson might get the cut. I don't think you're going to keep five running backs on your depth chart, but you can't tell me that that's appealing. And yes, Cameron Johnson has suffered from insane knee injuries his first two years. It's very similar to Darius Geis. Darius Geis has actually missed more games, but Carrion Johnson has missed around 15 games in his first two seasons, which just knee injuries. And that's the worst possible thing you can have as a running back early in your career. Teams don't want to be investing in you and your bad knees at that point when they can get guys like DeAndre Swift in the second round. Carrion Johnson is still going to be out there. He has two years left on his four-year deal for $6.5 million from that rookie deal that he signed a few years back. So he's not going anywhere at least immediately. So yes, if you want to tell me, yeah, DeAndre Swift's going to be the starter out there by week eight. I'd say no, because no matter what, even when Carrion Johnson before he ended up getting hurt last year and the year before, they were still trying to use two or three running backs. And they've been doing that for like the last six to eight years in Detroit. Maybe it's because they've never just had a great running back, but they've been trying to just have two to three running backs back there. And you think about Matt Patricia coming from the Bill Belichick tree to an extent, and all they do there is use two to three running backs. I love DeAndre Swift. I think overall, he is the best talented running back in this draft. When you talk about fantasy purposes from pass catching perspective, and also just a pure runner on the ground, but it's a big concern when you have a guy out there that's going to be in a backfield where at least one guy's getting the ball. And now both Scarborough was getting hyped up. It is coach speak to an extent, but we saw them use both Scarborough exclusively last year 
partially due to injury concerns for some of the other running backs like carry on, but also just because they liked him a lot. So in 2019, the Detroit Lions offensive line took a huge step forward. They lost Graham Glasgow, which was a big piece of that, but they also had a couple of other top 10 graded players on that offensive line. They ranked ninth in run blocking. They drafted a third and fourth round guard, as we talked about, that being Jonah Jackson in the third round of guard, and then Logan Steinberg in the fourth round, a guard. So even though they had a top 10 run blocking offense, they were still just ranked 24th in actual running offense, rushing offense in general from PFF. 103 yards per game, 2.8 running back red zone carries per game. And a big reason why they only ended up attempting the 16th most attempts is when Matthew Stafford got hurt. And even before that, they were supposed to be this run heavy offense, but carry on gets nicked up. Matthew Stafford's balling out, just keep throwing. But then Stafford gets hurt. And then out of desperation, Driscoll and Blau, they need to start throwing those backup quarterbacks. The thing that was nice to see though, is Matt Stafford, similar to Philip Rivers in a sneaky way, likes throwing the ball to his running backs. And he ended up seeing 6.25 targets per game last year for Detroit running backs, five receptions per game for these running backs. Now it was split up between primarily JD McKissick but Ty Johnson got involved a little bit and then some other running backs here and there. So I do think DeAndre Swift's role as a pass catching running back in this offense is promising because they actually throw it to the running back. So to get you familiar with some of the scouting pros of cons of DeAndre Swift coming out of college, I put together a little bit of a list here. He's probably the best receiving back in this class. I put hello PPR there. And again, we just talked about the role being in Detroit. It's not a bad spot by any means. He was never a workhorse, but he has the ability to be one. So you could put this as a pro or a con. That was really a workhorse in college because he was always that complimentary piece, but he has the ability to be one. And also it's a pro because he showed what he can do on these 200 touch seasons, 250 touch seasons when you factor in his receptions. And that means he just has fresh legs as he hits the prime of his career, just 21 and a half years old. 31% of his attempts went for first downs or touchdowns. Now, obviously that factors in your offense, your scheme, your offensive line, but it also factors in you, the running back as well. Well, A third of his touches went for a touchdown or a first down. That just shows your efficiency at actually getting your job done. His concerns are that he dances too much, like many guys who have a versatile skill set, trying to do a little bit too much at times. And he's a poor broken tackle guy as well, which is always a concern in terms of getting yards after contact. But if you're in open space, usually you don't have to break too many tackles if you can just have that uh, one step on a defender, one juke ability, which DeAndre Swift does. So I'm a fan of DeAndre Swift. I mean, you can tell my sentiment from talking here is both that I I like him in general, just as an athlete, a a five years from now, really big stud on a team potentially. But for this specific year, I have concerns. I don't want to be drafting a guy right now at the end of the fourth round, beginning of the fifth round as my RB2 potentially or RB3 that I don't think actually sees a full workload on the entire season. Now, I don't think he can't have success. I don't think he can't finish a top 30 running back, but a lot's going to have to go right. And he's probably going to have to find the end zone a decent amount of the times, because even just on receptions, this backfield is is just loaded enough that I don't see him really pushing a top 25 running back and really a top 20 running back where he's currently being drafted. So once again, to just close it out right now, DeAndre Swift is going to be a do not draft for me in redraft formats. I think he's fine in, in dynasties, of course, but currently going as RB 21 at the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth round in 12 team PPR drafts. He's my RB 34. So I'm just never going to get there. Quick reminder to get into the free discord down below. We're talking about NFL. We're talking about the offseason. We're talking about fantasy football. If you're watching this video, you obviously have interest in those things. So free discord down below. Come join the community and chat out there. Please, please, please do not start gasping that JK Dobbins is on the screen. Ohio State running back, the rookie right now going to Baltimore. Likely, likely, honestly, you can argue that he has the best landing spot. I know that you have Jonathan Taylor, the best zone runner in college football. And we talked about it in my my must draft running rookies. And you can check out the must draft rookies, the must draft rookie running back videos, pop up those thumbnails. But what I want you to do is just think about this. He's going into an offense with Lamar Jackson that Scott Barrett's tweet up pop up right now. Running backs in the Baltimore offense and 22 career starts for Lamar, averaging 5.09 yards per carry. The leader last year in yards per carry was Devin Singletary at 5.13. That is insane. So what that's pretty much telling you is just a deception of Lamar Jackson being there. The running scheme in the offense that they're running in Baltimore is highly efficient and highly effective for running backs. And namely, you have J.K. Dobbins now coming in and Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins likely takes on that role for the beginning of this year, maybe for a good part of this year, if not the entire season. Gus 
Edwards in this two-year span has seen 5.28 yards per carry. An old and aging Mark Ingram has seen 5.04 yards per carry. And for the most part, Mark Ingram's burst has kind of gone away. So J.K. Dobbins is stepping into an ideal role. And I do think that moving forward in Dynasty, maybe outside of Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins is the best available player out of anybody in Dynasty formats, depending on if it's super flex or not. But J.K. Dobbins looks very, very good to me long term. So before we dive forward, let's just look back at what he did last year at Ohio State. 301 carries, over 2,000 yards, and 21 touchdowns. He caught 23 of 28 targets on 7.6% target share. He was top 10 in missed tackles forced. He was the number one player in runs of 15 or more yards, and he was number four in yards after contact. J.K. Dobbins is a very sneaky player in this draft and honestly could have went off the board as the number one running back overall in the NFL draft, and I wouldn't have batted an eye on it. He has a very similar skill set to Taylor. Taylor beats him out on the pure running and zone running part of it, but J.K. Dobbins without question beats out Jonathan Taylor when it comes to pass catching ability. So what are the Ravens doing the offseason? Well, they ended up losing Marshall Yonda, which was a huge piece for them on the offensive line, but they tried to draft some of his replacements. A third down pick in Tyree Phillips, huge offensive lineman on the interior. Ben Bredesen in the fourth round in an interior offensive lineman. So they try and draft a replacement there. They get J.K. Dobbins in the second. They get a slot receiver in Devin Duvernay, who they can use at this point in the third round. They lose backup tight end Hayden Hurst, who was one of the most efficient tight ends in football last year. They end up losing Seth Roberts, just a depth wide receiver piece, who was actually somewhat active. And they signed DJ Fluker, a guard on the free agent side of it. So not much done in free agency, but they really have one of the best drafts, in my opinion. They address what their needs were. Another wide receiver. They got James Brosh in the sixth round as well. So get another wide receiver in their team. Have something there for Mark Andrews and a compliment to the skill set of Andrews in the middle of the field and Hollywood Brown on the outside. That's what Duvernay seems to be. And then draft for the future. Mark Ingram only has one year left on his contract. Well, he has one and a half, two years left on his contract, but he has an opt out after this year. He's going to be like 31 years old. So I assume that Mark Ingram is not going to be back with this team after this year. Hence why they signed J.K. Dobbins so early and draft him so early. So the rest of the backfield competition, and this is likely the depth chart I'm seeing it being, is Ingram, Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill. Justice Hill, the rookie last year, might be at risk of actually being cut now or at at least being a part of the scout team. Ingram is 30 years old. He has two years left on his deal. But like I said, there's an outcome after this year when he's going to end up being 31, 31 and a half before next season starts uh, after this one. So he's owed about $9 million these last two years. I'd be very surprised if he ended up getting cut at this point, just a veteran. He's a huge, huge personality in that locker room without question. And he's due a lot of money. So I think the opt will actually be optioned after this year and he'll be out of there. But I do think that he's going to be getting paid his money for this season. In 2019, Mark Ingram was insanely efficient. The man played less than 50% of the snaps, barely 49.8 and still went over a thousand yards. He ended up seeing 13.4 carries per game and still went over a thousand yards. That's how much this team rammed number one rushing offense last year. He had 201 carries, 15 touchdowns, 15 touchdowns. I mean, touchdown regression is, is probably coming his way, but this offense just sets up so nicely for goal line red zone backs. And he ended up catching 26 balls on 30 targets. So a very sneaky pass catching role as well. Those 15 touchdowns are both from the receiving game and the rushing game. Gus Edwards is only due $750,000 this year, and then none of that is going to be guaranteed. So I likely think that Gus Edwards takes on the running back three role in the pecking order based on J.K. Dobbins being there in his his overall draft capital. But Edwards last year as the RB2 ended up seeing 34% of the snaps, 8.3 carries per game, which is a good chunk for a backup running back and 24 red zone carries. He had over 700 yards. He had two touchdowns. And look, he had 24 red zone carries and only two touchdowns. You're likely going to see that number go up if J.K. Dobbins takes on this role. Maybe four, five touchdowns for Dobbins. He only saw eight targets, which I think Dobbins can definitely see more than that. So this is a really good role. I mean, if you just take some touchdown regressions, put Dobbins into Gus Edwards' role and give him a couple more receptions and really a couple more targets than the eight that Gus Edwards saw, that's a strong season. You probably get somewhere around 850 total yards. You probably get three to five touchdowns out of the guy, maybe 10 receptions. 
That's a very strong season for this guy. The only reason he's not higher up for me is because he's going off the board as RB26. And this is once again, rookie fever in PPR redraft formats going off the board as a top 30 running back. I currently have JK Dobbins and I'm projecting him for all the things that I just told you around that 750 yard season, a couple of receptions, a couple of touchdowns. I currently have him as my RB44 and I'm targeting him at RB44. He's just never there because he's going off the board in like the top 30 picks as like an RB3 at this point when he's very clearly to me an RB4 with upside. I mean, Baltimore's rushing offense was fantastic. They led the league by a mile with 37.2 rushes per game. We talked about just all the success that a thousand yard rusher on less than 50% of the snaps and only 13.4 touches per game had in Mark Ingram, but he also saw the eighth most red zone attempts at 46. And then you factor in the 24 that Gus Edwards saw, not even touching on Lamar Jackson's red zone attempts. These two running backs alone that I'm seeing 70 rushing attempts. Mark Ingram finished top 10 in fantasy points per game at the running back position. 10th overall as a 30 year old running back who had no burst left in him and really no uh, jump cut ability. That's insane. Their offensive line was elite. It was a number three run blocking unit last year. Ronnie Stanley is an elite offensive tackle. He only allowed six pressures on Lamar Jackson in the pass blocking game. And then they obviously lost Marshall Yanda, but they're trying to attempt to fix that by drafting Tyree Phillips in the third round mainly, but then also Ben Preston, unless Tyree Phillips is not the guy that they think he is. The pros and cons for J.K. Downs. It was really hard for me to find cons. We'll start there. I was not a great player after the catch in college. That's pretty much all that I can take away from that. Um, there's not a lot of cons in J.K. Dobbins' game. He has a huge sample size at Ohio State against good competition, and he was a very strong player there. The positive, he's a one-cut cutter. He, he he runs a good zone scheme. He's strong. He has the speed and power combination of size. He caught 20 plus passes each of his years at Ohio State. It's very good to see. So Dobbins, like the sentiment on DeAndre Swift, are guys I love. I think J.K. Dobbins is, is a steal in dynasty formats right behind Jonathan Taylor, and you're going to get him a couple picks after that. But in terms of redraft for this year, if he's going in the top 30 picks, don't reach for it. Don't try and follow his ADP. Now we'll see in a couple of weeks and really a month or two where his ADP starts to slide. And if it starts to slide back to that RB35 to RB40 range, I'm much more comfortable there. Again, he's currently my RB44. I can probably see him getting up to RB40 or so for me, but there's no way he's going to crack my top 30 unless we get some news on Mark Ingram or Gus, Gus Edwards just being completely phased out of the offense. Big old subscribe button just popped up on the screen. Take two seconds of your time. Bottom right hand corner, there's a little red subscribe button. Hit that if you've gotten any value at all from this video so far. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hit the subscribe button and the notification bell while you are at it. The best route runner in the entire draft and likely the best slot receiver in the entire draft coming out of Alabama, where he played with Tua, where he played with a bunch of guys. Jerry Judy is a do not draft for me. And let me tell you why. Sal, Sal, everybody's freaking out. These are all big names. DeAndre Swift. Oh, I remember him in the draft. Oh my God. I remember everybody talking about JK Dobbins and Jerry Judy. Everybody was talking about him. Yes. Yes. There's a difference between the pre-draft perspectives and then after draft with ADPs for these rookies. Again, there's no off season. Rookies usually take half a season to start to break out. Just look at any of the rookies from last year. Debo Samuel breaks out the second half of the season, right? It was just Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf who showed some early signs of success. And then even they hit some slower patches and lower patches. It's not going to be something that often happens, especially for a slot wide receiver like Jerry Judy coming into now a loaded and stacked offense with a pandemic happening. That's not allowing him to get that connection. Rookie wide receivers need their camp and training camps and OTAs and preseason much more than running backs do. Running backs rely a lot more on just their instincts and their pure athleticism. Whereas you can't do that if you're a rookie wide receiver, you need to have a connection with your offense in terms of your quarterback. So Jerry Judy in 2019 last year, after being picked in the first round at pick 15 by the Denver Broncos, 21 years old. Last year, he ended up seeing 77 receptions over 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns on 108 targets. It was a 25.1% target share, 15.3 yards per reception. He was a beast last year. He played 54% of his snaps out of the slot. He saw 22 deep targets and he saw 59.3% of his actual targets out of the slot. So he's very much so primarily a slot wide receiver. Now he's currently going at the 9.03, the beginning of the ninth round in 12 team redrafts. That's just way too high for me. That means he's going off the board at wide receiver 36. I currently have him as my wide receiver 47. I mean, there's just 
no way I'm taking Jerry Judy over guys like Preston Williams, over guys like Anthony Miller, guys who are pretty clearly the number two options in their offenses with, with their arrows pointing up, whereas Jerry Judy is coming in as maybe the two, but really like the 2A to the 2B to even the 2C, who even knows at this point, depending on how big the role of Noah Font in his second year and the role of Melvin Gordon is going to be in this offense. So once again, I think it's just a case of rookie fever. And I do think Jerry Judy starts to slide into the average draft position of probably the early 40s, around 42 or so. But even then, I'm still not going to be getting him. Like I have Justin Jefferson ranked higher at this point. I have Justin Jefferson ranked a good deal higher. Jefferson is my number one rookie receiver. You can check that out on my must draft rookies, must draft wide receiver videos. I can pop those up. But Jerry Judy for me, he's just going a little bit too early for me. He's probably going around too early, uh, maybe even around and a half too early. And I'm not going to be ending up getting there. All Denver did in the offseason was was improved. They ended up getting Melvin Gordon in the backfield, which I think is going to make him a sneaky top 20 running back option that gets slept on in drafts. Nick Vanette, a very strong and respected run blocking tight end. And then they get Graham Glasgow, who I just told you from the Lions was a fantastic player, top 10 in his position. And then they add him. And he was like a very sleeper pick. Nobody really talked about Graham Glasgow and they still don't going to the Broncos, even though it's a huge upgrade for them. They didn't lose much. They lost center Connor McGarvin and then, then they lost fullback Andy Janovich. But the NFL draft is where they made their justice. They went out and said, Drew Locke, we're going to surround you with as much talent as possible. We already gave you Cortland Sun. already gave you Noah Font. You got Philip Lindsay. We ended up getting a free agency Melvin Gordon. We're going to get you as much as you can in this draft. First two picks, Jerry Judy. Bam. KJ Hamler out of Penn State second round. Very, very similar to Jerry Judy in terms of both of them are extremely fast. Both of them play a lot out of the slot and are just absolute magicians when the ball is in their hand. Then they end up getting a center. Then they get Albert O, another fast tight end in the fourth round, another interior offensive lineman, and then they get a seventh round wide receiver. They just went after the offense and said, Drew Locke, this is what we're doing for you. And that's all fun and dandy. And right now you can see me putting up all the offensive skill players from Jeff Radcliffe at PFF, his tweet uh, back on April 25th. Look at this. I mean, not outside of just the starters, you now have Philip Lindsay as your backup, a pass catching option. You have Albert O, who is a fast pass catching option, although a tight end probably doesn't break through or have much success this year because Noah Font's there. But a second year standout now, likely in Noah Font coming out of here, Cortland Sun entering into the prime of his career. It's just a really loaded, loaded passing game. That's not even to take into account how bad Drew Locke was the final five games last year. We're going to give him a full offseason, although not in an actual offseason with any training camps or maybe even a preseason, but he just looked very bad. So I have concerns, maybe not even about the actual targets to feed out there with Cortland Sutton and Hamler and all these running backs and tight ends, but mainly Drew Locke. Like that's where it starts for me, which makes me uh, really concerned for all these receivers, not just Jerry Judy. Throw into the fact that guys like Judy, slot receivers, especially if you're not going to get an offseason, likely won't even start to see a ton of success until midway through the year. And he's already going as like a borderline top 35 wide receiver, which means that you usually see success for most of the year or have a huge, huge second half of the year. I'm just not going to bank on that. So I personally have him as my wide receiver 47. He's going at 36. The target share right now is going to be Sutton as a number one guy. Broke out last year in the first eight games, but then because of Drew Locke, he really didn't do much to end the season. He saw a 26% target share in 28 percent red zone target share. He got 72 balls for over 1100 yards and six touchdowns. Sutton has two years left on his rookie deal, four-year deal for 6.8 million. After that, you have a second-year tight end in Noah Font, who's caught 40 of 67 targets, saw a 14% target share, 12% in the red zone. Deshaun Hamilton is no longer going to be involved as Jerry Judy is going to replace him. And then Deshaun Hamilton's former teammate at Penn State in KJ Hamler is also going to formally replace him because Deshaun Hamilton was terrible last year. 0.76 yards per route run, which is an efficiency metric. That is disgusting. He saw 13.6% of the targets, 52 total targets that amounts out to only 28 receptions and one touchdown. He has two years left on a four-year $3.1 million rookie deal, only due $1.67 million. I would not be shocked to see Deshaun Hamilton, if not cut, just very much uh, taken back to a reserve role. So coming out of college, the pros and cons, the knocks and positives on a guy like Jerry Judy, his speed was without a doubt an open field weapon. All those 
those things are huge, huge positives for him. Ran a 4.45 at the combine. He's a crisp route runner. He's likely the best route runner in the entire class. His 3.49 yards per route run out of the slot was absolutely elite. Only CD Lamb was one of a handful of wide receivers who are actually better than him in that metric. And they, when you're going to be in the slot, you're just going to see worse slot cornerbacks in the NFL. So it's easier to make that transition. The negatives, he didn't face a lot of press coverage in the slot, very similar to Cooper Cup in his entire year, entire career in the NFL. Coming out of the slot, you don't see a lot of press coverage. So that can be a concern if he moves to the outside and they put Hamler in the slot uh, for some plays. And then his catch radius is sort of a smaller receiver, 6'1", 193 pounds is a little bit of a concern, but not as much when you're coming out of the slot. So for me, Jerry Judy is going about 15 so or so. I mean, we could just call it 10 if you want to be on the more conservative side or the more aggressive side, really. Spot's too high for me. It ends up meaning that I'm not going to be getting to Jerry Judy where he currently is. If he starts to go around wide receiver pick 40, 42, 43, I might reach for him there, but he's my wide receiver 47. And I don't have confidence in this quarterback, or at least I'm suspect on it. And in general, there's a lot of players out there. So Judy, I like the talent long-term. Dynasty, obviously a great top five pick if you want to borderline argue about that. Uh, But for me right now, and redraft is somewhere that I'll avoid. Reminder that I've got free rookie rankings and a free discord down below. So check those things out totally free. And also there's a link to sign up for my draft guide for early access. It's going to be coming out shortly, if not already out, depending on when you're watching this. So check all those freebies out down below in the description. CD Lamb with the bold, oh, the also bold Jerry Rice, the Rice man himself comparison at the top of player profile. You can see uh, right above my head over here. CD Lamb out of Oklahoma. He was taken in the first round out of not even desperation, but just, hey, he's there on the board. CD Lamb, one of our top five or top six graded players in the entire draft for Dallas. Mike McCarthy, Jerry Jones, pull that big old trigger on your yacht, Jerry. Round one, pick 17 out of Oklahoma. He was there for three years. He's 21 years old. He ran a four five. And like I said, he's comped to Jerry Rice and DeAndre Hopkins. So what kind of expectations this, does this guy have? Insanely high. In 2019, he caught 62 passes for over 1300 yards and 14 touchdowns on 94 targets. It was a 24.7% target share. That is very, very good. He saw 26.4% of his snaps out of the slot. He led the entire nation in yards per route run out of the slot. 39.8% of his targets came from the slot. He saw 22 deep targets, which means 20 or more yards. Listen to how insane that this next stat is. As a true freshman, kid just off the streets, barely 18 years old, 46 receptions, 807 yards, and seven touchdowns as a true freshman. His final two years in college, 3.42 yards per route run, one of the best in the nation. So he's coming into this Dallas offense that has a ton of targets up for the taking. I mean, Matt Jajewski, as we featured in the must draft rookies, some of his tweets, because they're very, very informative. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Jajewski. You can see it on the screen. The number one rookie wide receiver coming in after days one and two in the draft, and really just in general, with the most vacated targets. What does that mean? It means players who saw targets last year that are no longer there is CeeDee Lamb. Seven more than Denzel Mims, who is in second. CeeDee Lamb with 190. 82 targets on the table from Jason Witten. You have 79 targets on the table from Randall Cobb. Again, most of those coming out of the slot, especially Cobbs. And now CeeDee Lamb is going to step into an offense that just needs to have these vacated targets filled with his stature, with his round one draft capital. He's likely going to have a decent role in this offense. So I'm speaking very highly of him and I, and I love the guy and I hope that he does fall as the season goes on, but I have him as my wide receiver 50 right now. And I, I've even bumped him up. Like I've tried to bump him up. He was my wide receiver 54 after projections. I bumped him up a little bit, but there's just so many guys ahead of him that aren't wide receiver threes on their team. They're wide receiver twos, like Christian Kirk's of the world, like John Brown's of the world. It's really hard for me to put CD Lamb ahead of those guys when those guys for 700, 800 yard seasons are almost a borderline lock or very close to it. And CD Lamb's 700 to 800 yard season is likely his, his higher upper tier of his average and ceiling, unless somebody gets hurt. And I'm not projecting for Amari or Gallup to get hurt because that's not what you're supposed to do for projections and rankings. So Lamb's going as the wide receiver 37 off the board at the pick 9.06, ninth round midway through in 12 team drafts. He's my wide receiver 53. I'm just never going to get there when I'm 16 ranks behind. So in the offseason, Dallas pretty much extended like everybody. They lost Travis Fredericks to retirement. They got Andy Dalton as a backup QB, Blake Bell as a backup tight end to Blake Jarwin. Blake Bell is the former Chiefs tight end, very similarly drafted him in a lot of comps to Travis Kelsey while he was there. They lost Randall Cobb and Jason Witten. In the draft, 
draft, they had a really good draft. They probably had the best draft outside of CeeDee Lamb, outside of getting Diggs, a cornerback that they needed, who was likely a first round talent in the second round. They got a huge, huge upgrade at center because of the fact that now they're at a depth centerpiece with no Travis Fredericks and Tyler Badeas. So it was a very good offseason in general for this Cowboys team. They capped it off by getting Andy Dalton as a backup. We'll see what they do with Dak's contract. The target competition for CeeDee Lamb is going to be difficult. He had Amari Cooper last year catching 79 balls for almost 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns on a 20.7% share. He had Michael Gallup going over 1,100 yards. Very sneaky. Both of these guys did that on a 21.7% share in just 14 games. So CeeDee Lamb is stepping into this offense as the wide receiver three, without question. I, I see people just overreacting. Ah, CeeDee Lamb's now the wide receiver two, Gallup's wide receiver three. No, 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 no. Randall Cobb last year had over 700 yards. He, he had over 800 yards in this offense out of the slot, and he was very inefficient. Led the league in drops with Odell. They were co-leaders. So putting CeeDee Lamb into that role, I think there's a lot of upside. But you factor in once again that he's a rookie. No OTAs in the offseason. Even if CeeDee Lamb has 750, 850 yards out of the slot, he's just taking on the Randall Cobb role. He's not doing any extra after that. So why is it going to impact Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup all that much? Short answer is that I don't think it is. Unless you expect CeeDee Lamb to go out here and go for a thousand plus yards, that's the only way it's really going to impact these guys, in my opinion. Throw him 800 yards out of the slot. It's not going to change all that much. Now, regression for Dak Prescott is likely due, and it's going to hit all these receivers. So he threw for 5,000 yards last year, Dak Prescott. Well, now maybe CeeDee Lamb regresses back to having a 650-yard season, 700-yard season. Those two 1,100-yard seasons for Amari and Gallup, maybe they both get somewhere around 900 to 1,000 yards. Whatever it might be, I don't think CeeDee Lamb is going to be coming in and just automatically making Amari a do not draft, automatically making Gallup a do not draft. If anything, I think it just hurts all three of them a little bit, but mainly CD Lamb because his expectations right now are that he's a ninth round pick at pick top 40 for wide receivers when I have him as not even a top 50 wide receiver, barely at 53. CD Lamb, love the talent once again. Again, I love the talent in all these guys. So before you, you get all your Twitter fingers angry and everything in the comment section, just remember, this is based on average draft position. I just hyped up all these guys pretty much for you while also telling you to ease your expectations based on where they're going. The reason that they're going so high is there's no other news going out outside of how good these rookies are. That's all you heard for three months was how good this draft class is for wide receivers. So hence Jerry Judy and CD Lamb being on here is going to blow so many people's minds. Uh, the running backs, DeAndre Swift was a borderline number one overall for a lot of people in terms of running back rankings for this draft. Lots of things are going to be in here that you're like, ah, he, this guy's totally wrong. No, no, no. It's based on average draft position. These are rookies. We're not talking about them now going back to their college offenses. They're rookies. They usually come in like CeeDee Lamb as wide receiver threes, like Jerry Judy at best as a wide receiver two with a not so stable quarterback. Running backs are coming in in, in three-headed backfields for both of them. DeAndre Swift, a three to four-headed backfield likely. Baltimore, but J.K. Dobbins, a three to four-headed backfield when you factor in Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards. So it's not the greatest of situations at least off the bat for year one, which makes their ADP, if you're not starting right out of the gate, a little bit lower than where I think they're currently going. So I appreciate you tuning into this video. Thank you so much. My name is Sal Vetri, and a big old subscribe button is about to pop up on the screen. Take a few seconds, bottom right hand corner of the screen. There's a little subscribe button. Hit the notification bell while you're down there. If you were one of the people who ended up making it to this point and you're hearing me, please take a couple seconds to do that. It really does help me reach more people. And if you thought that this video was valuable, if you thought that it was a lot of action packed information, I spend about five hours a day researching and prepping for each individual video while doing some other things as well. So hopefully that you found it valuable. And if you do, all I ask is subscribe button, notification bell. And also get into the Discord. It's free down below, the rookie rankings, all that stuff. So check out what's all free down below. If you want the draft guide, you can sign up for early access to that link down below as well. So appreciate everybody tuning into this one. Go do all that. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Again, my name is Sal Vetri. Hit that subscribe button before you go. I will see you all in the next one. Stay safe out there, gang.